0: Comets insider on ESPN Radio Utica Rome. A full 20-minute period in OT. Next goal wins. There's a shot. Castles scores from the slot. They do not wave it at a goal. They wave it off. Sparks is down on the ice. He was down when the shot came from Castles. And he is hurting. The athletic trainer for the Marlies has to come racing off the bench to tend to him. The Comets players have to go back on the bench. Banks immediately skates over to the referee, Crease to get the explanation on this one. They're going to review the play, as well will I. Huck was worked behind the net. Oh, Sparks took a stick. He got a stick in his, I think, in his face. I don't know how that went. I guess a stick blade went through his mask and hit him. You can't really call that a penalty was a stick of a Marley's player or not. This is where I'd love to have AHL referees mic'd up. Two minutes and 13 seconds into the OT and the referees are taking a good look at this one. I don't know whose stick it. sparks, if that's the conversation right now or not. No replays being shown in the arena. Frankly, I've rewound this four different times on AHL Live and I can't make out what happened. It just happened so quick and there's a few sticks vying for the puck. The referees still looking. They're looking at the overhead to try to get what happened. They got their Decision, no goal. Here, scoop and rain.
1: Welcome to Comets Insider, Utica Comets Insider on ESPN, Utica, Rome. Wow, w- what a weekend in Toronto! We got spring finally here, uh, and a couple of interesting hockey games. I would be remiss though if if I didn't start the broadcast based on what has happened in Toronto tonight. Obviously, things more important than a Maple Leafs hockey game or the Marley success. Uh, a van uh, drove into a crowd, nine people lost their lives, 16 injured. I think with that pink elephant hanging in the room, we must acknowledge that before we move forward and talk about sports. As I, Rain Man, welcome in Tom Coin, Scoop, and of course, on our board tonight, producing the broadcast, Matt Page. That's hanging over our heads. Any remarks on that before we address hockey? Well, there's increased
2: security around the Air Canada Center tonight and uh, the city obviously probably a little bit on edge Yes, uh, as a result, but it's just a very sad, awful thing.
1: It's it's just disturbing that we live in a world that we have to address something like that when we just want to talk about some hockey.
3: You know, one of the things that I had thought of about it, and, and um, the, I don't even think you need a disclaimer to, to identify the, that I'm a Leafs fan, um, and it doesn't affect me when the Marley's come to town. Um, but it, it hit me from the standpoint that for the, like the third week or so um, we're going to probably pay recognition Wednesday night uh, since it's the hometown of the opponent that this tragedy took place. And, and it's just, um, you know, between the, the, the horror up in Saskatchewan and, and the, the sad incident uh, and tragic accident uh, over on Oriskany Boulevard uh, in Whitesboro. And, and now this, which, you know, even though as we sit here right now, we don't know for sure, other than what the press conference was earlier on today, there can be but no question that when you do the math, it's a terrorist attack. And, um, you know, I thought about the Leafs game tonight. They've got game six at, at Air Canada Center against the Bruins. And as you guys also well know, even when they're on the road, playoff wise, they pack that square outside the ACC. Yes, they do. And and it's incredible. Um, And they announced that they were going to go ahead and do it anyways. They were heightening security as, as they should. And um, I, you know, it's just, it's, it, it, it can't help but be thought that as they stand around and prepare for that. And as they sing, uh, the anthems tonight that uh, a lot of people mind will be over on Yonge and and not necessarily uh, in the building that they're standing in.
1: Jeez. And I wonder if, for those that have never been to Toronto, the Air Canada center is what, two blocks from Rogers center sky dome. Yeah. Uh, Is there, I don't even know. I didn't even think to check if there's a blue Jays game affected by that, which is another 30,000 people. And it's just, it's just a sad state of affairs. Uh, but we're going to we're gonna pause right there. Um, it, it's a tough thing to address, but we do have to break it down and talk about hockey. So once again, Tom Coyne, thanks for the remarks. Scoop, of course. I'm Rain and Matt Page in studio. Comments Center ESPN, Utica, Rome. This is a playoff edition. We are unfortunately down 0-2 to the Toronto Marlies. Our home playoff game is Game 3, which is on Wednesday at the Adirondack Bank Center. I noticed signage going up for the 72 Tavern, which is a very exciting thing. Um, but we got to white out, and we got to get a win. It's that simple. It's literally a must-win game. We got to get three wins. Well, we got to start with one, though. I, one at I, a time, though. If you want to use the sports cliches, you can't do anything other than focus on the task at hand. And that is, the, you got to win one first before you can win three, right, Scoop? And I, I'd be curious to hear how the team is addressing that, how Trent Cull is addressing that, how Gary Agnew is addressing that, how the leadership in the locker room is addressing that. But you do have to deal with the the momentum shift. And we heard it right off of the top of the broadcast, an outstanding open put together by Matt Page, where you heard a little bit of confusion. We thought Cole Castle scored in game one. Right. He certainly D- thought he scored. He absolutely did. You've seen the video. They don't have a lot of cameras on it. It's not great replay like it is in the NHL. Uh, but we thought we won the game. I think we got gypped a little bit. I, I think maybe it should be a split one and one coming back here, but they they made a mistake. They, they screwed up. They made a mistake. The high stick was at the hands of Marley's defenseman to Garrett Sparks. He was injured, but the high stick was not on the Comets. Therefore the goal should not have been disallowed. Uh, we'll start with Tom and we'll go to scoop.
3: Well, I think the biggest, the biggest point to to the whole thing, and I haven't had an opportunity to talk with Andy and maybe you guys have,
1: we will be in just a few minutes. Okay.
3: Is that um, based on, on a, on a, Tweet that Andy had put out. Um, Trent Cull was told by the officials that the puck never entered the net. It didn't so, cross
2: the line or right. something. So if
3: it, if it if it doesn't cross the line, regardless of you know whether uh, uh, Sparks gets hit or anything, he it, it, there's no goal. There's not even a goal to have this discussion about. Let's say the puck enters the line. Um, I know this. One of the things about the game and and justifiably so because. They're insane people to put on the equipment and stand in front of 100-mile-an-hour chunks of hard rubber coming at you. Um, but they they play a whole different game when you talk about the the uh, goaltender. If it's a defenseman that takes a high stick to that face and he's a Marley's defenseman, then they're not going to whistle and because Utica has possession. And you're going to go in and, and you're going to play the puck. And if it's in, it's a goal. However, goaltenders are different animals. And and if they lose the mask, if the helmet comes off, stop play immediately regardless of who has possession. You know, it's a whole different ballgame when you talk about goaltender, particularly a goaltender in the crease.
1: But, but I would pose the question, Cole Castles, to Scoop's point, seemed uh, pretty sure that he scored the game-winning goal right there and they don't have great replay. Right. Do they have an appropriate camera angle? Are we going to get that question answered? Because I think it completely changed. We talked about this before we came on the air tonight, Scoop and I. It was a momentum changer. And I referenced Michael K with a fallacy of the predetermined outcome. He says it on Yankees games all the time. You don't know if the outcome of game two would have then been five to two because it would have completely changed things in game one, Scoop.
2: Well, this is why I don't like a five game series. Yeah, I don't, in really any league, I, I kind of hate it. It's like you play this whole season, and then these leagues that have a five game series in the first set of playoffs, it's like, come on, just give us two more games for crying out loud. You've done, why is it, why are we in a hurry now all of a sudden and, and shorten it by two games? It, it creates an entirely different tenor to a playoff series.
1: The dynamic is completely different. If this is a seven-game
2: series being down two games to none, is it such a horrible deal? But secondly, I don't know that I believe the explanation that was given to Trent Cole. Yeah, it doesn't hold water There might be a little CYA going on right there, and I'm not sure that I buy it necessarily. I'd be curious if Coach Cull uh, buys it. I don't think he would necessarily tell you that publicly. Uh, I'd love I, to hear the off-the-record comments. I, I have, I have my doubts. It's certainly been an odd series with the number of penalties that have been called, and the amount of special teams that have been on the ice in these first two games. Uh, we had the Marlies going one for seven on the power play in Game Two, and the Comets were one for four on the power play in Game Two. Uh, just the number of penalties that were called. Uh, and the first period of one of those games was uh, was crazy. So it's been a lot of penalties, and I think that sort of discombobulated uh, both teams to some degree who expected to play a lot of
1: five-on-five hockey. To, to back up your point, PK was a one out of seven in the second game as well, Scoop. You're absolutely right, Tom.
3: And and the killer of it is is that only one out of seven percentage-wise, it may not be magical, but the fact of the matter is is that means you're 14 minutes down. And that kills any and all momentum. You know that's that's a half, better than half a period where you're shorthanded and you just can't get a flow going. Um, you're back on your heels, and and that's the, I think the biggest disruptor. Um, as much as special team performance may be, it's the very fact that you have to be put on a special team is the is a bigger killer than giving up that goal.
1: This is Tom Coyne. My name is Rain Scoop. Is here at Comments Insider on ESPN. Utica Rome, brought to you by Budlay and Slocum Dixon. Uh, the Comets fell apart in Game 3 in the third period after they tied the game by none other than Michael Shipu, who has, by the way, he scored the game-tying goal in Game 1, and he scored again in the third period. This guy is a clutch performer. He's proving it in the playoffs. But after that goal tied the game, and then the Toronto Marlies answered right back, the Comets fell apart. And it, I don't know, it seemed that they were demoralized uh, Matt Perhaps a little winded, though. Uh, and and even uh, Sheldon Keefe, uh,
2: coach of the Marlies, talked about his team being a little winded at times in uh, this game, too. So, you know, we had five-on-threes going on, and whether you're trying to score the goal or kill the penalty, that's going to be exhausting. And, and this has been a long season, and sometimes
1: you get jelly legs. You yeah. Know. Yeah, it's 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 deflating though when it's it's playoff hockey. It's it's a completely different beast altogether. Even Matt Page, jump in here for a second, yeah. Matt Page, since you're in the studio. Even you said listening to the broadcast, you kind of felt you got a sense of that from Andy without him blatantly saying it. Correct. He just sensed he was a little. Dem- the team was a little demoralized.
4: Well, after they got that goal in the third period, and then the Marlies came right back and got that go ahead goal. It just felt like the whole team fell apart right after that.
1: That's a question we can ask Andy Zilch. So everybody knows we're going to have Andy Zilch on in segment two. He's going to answer all of our questions. He's going to continue on with us in our 730 segment with Don Leibel. Uh, He, of course, is the author of Comets Tales and the Beat Reporter for the Comets. We'll get the Ask Andy segment going in there. Uh, But I, I want to address real quick. I want to lay another really important move moving forward looking at Wednesday scoop. Reed Boucher has cleared waivers. I think the hand is healthy uh, my understanding is you have to be off IR to be placed on waivers to come down here. So you have to assume he's healthy and that we should see the Comets' leading goal scorer in the lineup on Wednesday night. We'll start with Scoop. Well, certainly they wouldn't send him here to play if he was hurt and he could
2: hurt himself further. I, so I, I don't think uh, they're trying to mask anything. I mean, Hand probably isn't... Exactly right, but they need some scoring punch. And you know, one of the things that's also deflating for the Comets was that there there were opportunities in these games yeah. that were kind of missed. There were yeah. scoring opportunities. You go wide, you know, uh, whatever. It, you you don't you don't seal the deal. And I think part of that is also uh, deflating in Game Two for sure.
3: Uh, one of the things about Boucher is, first of all, you're right. You're you going to be off the IR. Uh, in order to go to waivers and and he cleared waivers, uh, gets assigned on uh, today. He'll. If, it's my understanding that based upon what the schedule is, he'll be in Utica on Tuesday, and most likely we'll we'll skate into practice with them. And then you know how do you keep a guy with that kind of offensive capability out of your lineup come um, come Wednesday evening? One of the things though is hands are really weird. Yeah. Um, you got all of those small bones in there and. The healing process is it. It's not as though you can you know you break a leg or you break an arm bone, you set it in the cast, it heals itself, and you're good to go. And maybe in fact, maybe even stronger. Uh, I'm not a doctor though. I I, have I mentioned that before. Do you have that in the disclaimer,
1: um, uh, Doctor? I feel like uh, spies like us, Doctor, 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 <laughs> exactly. doctor, doctor, and Doctor.
3: Uh, but the hand, my my concern only my only concern with Boucher is. You know, has he been skating, and has he got the legs ready to go? Because that's going to be an important factor.
1: Well, we've got to take a quick break. We're going to come back. Scoop's going to get Andy Zilch, the voice of the Utica Comments from the Brother Station 94.9 on, answer a lot of these questions. I do just want to leave one thought hanging out there before we close up our opening segment. Tom Coyne, listen, I know you've got the TV show on PNY I understand that on Thursdays. We're going to plug that at the end. But is it true that Lucas Frankel has not seen Slapshot? The answer's coming up in segment two.
3: It's Comets
1: Insider on ESPN Radio, Utica, Rome. Here's Scoop and Rain. AM 1310,
2: 1350, ESPNUR.com, the ESPNUR app. Comets Insider, I'm Scoop Rain here. Public address announcer Tom Coyne joining us. Matt running the board here and helping out and making everything go smoothly and joining us now your play-by-play voice of your Utica Comets Andy Zilch who had to preside over that weird overtime in game one how are you Andy
4: hey I'm doing great scoop how are you guys doing back there
2: we're doing great after maybe running it back on uh, the AHL live uh, maybe another four times
4: (laughs) That uh, that
2: goal, the Cole Castles goal, that wasn't. What are your thoughts on that?
4: Well, uh, I think I I was a guilty party of uh, reaction by their reaction. You know, I was watching Cole, and it was it was basically an empty net for him to shoot the puck, and and I just thought it went in. I, I if you would have told me right then and there, a hundred bucks that go going or not, I would have said it would have went in. After the words on Hockey Night in Canada, they were talking about it. Don Cherry even said that it went in. I saw that. But I'm going to have to disagree with the great Don Cherry because they showed a replay from behind the net. It's so tough. You lose sight of the puck. You can't see it. But at the same token, I don't see anything hit the net. I don't see anything go by Sparks. And I think as Sparks was sprawling off to his side, it hit his skate.
2: But you don't think it crossed the line?
4: I, I don't think it crossed the line. I really don't. I think the referees made the right call. And thinking, they were having an, they had an overhead view of it too, when they were reviewing it.
1: We still call it conspiracy theory. See, why can't we see that though?
4: It, none of us can. That's the unfortunate thing of the AHL and, and it's the referee's eyes only. And I'll tell you what, for game five, I'm going to bring some binoculars because if, if I would have been able to see that, cause I, I had a good vantage point, my eyes and, and I'd love to see any human's eyes go see that far. But, if I get some binoculars, I can certainly see the replay system from where I'm sitting. And Andy, I agree with you, too, that the ref should have been miked or should be miked going forward. Yeah, no, it, there was a few, and, and especially for that that penalty that, that was so strange, that penalty that was called on the Marlies and then reversed and assessed the Cole Castles. I would have loved to have heard an explanation of that one you know, right then and there rather than have to wait after the game and talk to Trent Cole about it.
1: See my point that I made on ESPN SportsZilla yesterday where I said I think that referees should have to answer. The players have to answer. The coaches have to answer. You have to meet the press. You know, you always respect the guys that answer those tough questions in the locker room. I think sometimes when it calls to, comes to calls like this, we should be able to at least take five minutes and ask a couple questions of the officials. Well,
2: in the interest of transparency, yes. you ought to
1: release the overhead camera shot. I don't understand. What are you hiding otherwise? otherwise? Otherwise, it looks sketchy. We're going to question that. I just think that that's the way it's going to go. Did we lose Andy on the phone? That's okay. Uh, we'll take care of that. I,
3: I can. I could just address two things on that, if I may. Um and, and I'm an impartial, off ice official. Um, number one, the, the the AHLs, at least in in Utica, and I'm going to assume it's a comparable situation up in in uh, in Toronto at, at the RICO Coliseum. Those setups are closed circuit. So basically, what you're having is a a uh, uh, two cameras that are mounted on the on uh, up on the ceiling over the line, shooting basically just the crease and and the goal line. And it feeds into the uh, in-house internet system closed to one machine that we have. Um, And then we record it there. When I say we, it's literally at the yard sitting right next to me. So if there's a questionable call, the officials will come in, literally walk into the penalty box into the area right behind where I am, we will slow it down, go as much frame by frame as we can. You can't always convincingly see what ultimately you're looking for, uh, and that's, that's one of the problems there. Another problem, at least in our building, and not as much, and, I, and I can't say what the situation is up in, in uh, Toronto uh, or in any other building for that matter, for an official, most of the times they don't come over and tell us. They stand literally about 10 feet, and you'll see them about 10 feet from in front of us, and they'll be talking, and we can't hear them, and they'll be telling us what they have, and they'll give us a, a signal, and then they'll turn around and, and skate away. We actually don't know until a player is skating to the box who the heck did he call it on. And we have had, in in the last two home games, we've had the wrong team, wrong player, go in the box and then had to tell them, it wasn't on you, you're out, and he left, and a Utica player got in. And so it, it it can be, you know, it's minor league.
1: Tom Coyne, Scoop, Rain, Comets Insider, ESPN, Utica, Rome, brought to you by Bud Light and Slocum Dixon. Back on the phone, voice of the Utica Comets from Brother Station 94.9, Andy Zilch. Andy, what adjustments did the Comets have to make heading into Wednesday's game, the home playoff game, game number three of this first-round series, being down 0-2. And with the addition of the big news, Reed Boucher is back with the Comets.
4: Yeah, well, uh, to start on the end of that question, we'll see. I, I don't know his status of the injury. Hopefully, he's good to go. I mean, there's a lot of things to the process for Reed Boucher. First of all, is he ready? Or is he ready to play hockey in? He's cleared, of course. Uh, you know, physically, medically, he's cleared. But is he cleared to play a hockey game? And uh, if he's good to go, then that's going to be an immediate impact for the Comets. You know, right right, uh, right, on the right wing, he's got a left-handed shot. We all know he's got the cannon. He's your power play go-to guy. I think what the Comets need to do, it's, it's plain and simple. Discipline. They have got to stay out of the box. The stick penalties cannot occur. That totally screwed their momentum in the second period of yesterday's game. And I think it could have been a little bit of a different outcome had they not gotten into such penalty problems.
2: Talk about Cole Lind a little bit. And the things I'm reading are that both the the Canucks brass and the Comets brass just think he's not ready to play hockey at this level just yet. Well, what are you hearing? What are your what are your thoughts on that?
4: Yeah, I mean, I kind of have to agree with that. Uh, I mean, he he skated in five games. He was uh, progressively getting better, but playoff hockey is a different beast. And uh, he he just made a jump from playing from boys to men, and you're going to ask him to play in the most heated possible hockey outcome out there. It's a tall order for a guy who's not even 21 yet and a guy who just came out of playing with some 17-, 18-year-olds I mean, it's, a, it's a different world for him. So, uh, you know, it's also like I know fans get upset because they're saying, well, this is going to develop. That could also damage his development. If Cole Lynn gets rocked open ice, that could really make him gun shy for the next two years, maybe. And I think that this is a careful plan in place, much like that. Demco, much like some of the other prospects that we've seen. They know what they're doing. That's why they make more money than all of us.
3: You know, one one of the things that people forget, uh, Andy, and, and it was it was a different circumstance and a different coach uh, and a different player, but, you know, Greener sat Vertanen out for a while at postseason. And, you know, there's a method to the madness, and you're absolutely right. It, it doesn't even take a physical thing. It takes a rookie mistake where you sit there on the bench and say, I can't believe I didn't get back. I pinched when I shouldn't have pinched. It was a bad pass that resulted in a goal, and, you and now you also have to deal with the psychological problem.
4: Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's so much more than just being out there and, and a physical aspect of the game. And that's, one of the, that's why I tweeted that this morning, because I'm sitting there thinking about game three and what the Comets need to do. And I mean, it's just so much more than just playing the game. It's thinking, it's uh, adapting to what's going on during the course of the game. It's keeping your emotions at bay. Because playoff hockey, it's something else. I love it. That's why we all watch the game. That's why we all played the game at some point or another. And it's just, uh, it's really a different type of thing for a lot of these guys.
1: Andy, we're going to put you on hold for just a second. We're going to take a break. We're going to get Don Libel on the phone. We're going to get our Ask Andy segment going. I do want to come back, and I want your comments and pump everybody up for the whiteout that we need to get happening at the Adirondack Bank Center on Wednesday. That's next on Comets Insider on ESPN, Utica, Rome.
0: Here's Ask Andy with Don Libel. Yeah,
3: boy! Broadcasting live from Swifties on Genesee Street, this is Comets Insider
1: with Raymond Scoop on ESPN Radio, Utica, Rome. Comets Insider, ESPN, Utica Rome from Bud Light Dilly Dilly and Slocum Dixon Medical Group. Uh, we've come to the portion about halfway through where we bring in the author of Comets Tales, be reporter for the Utica Comets, Don Libel, and we have him join the voice of the Utica Comets over on our brother station, ninety-four point nine K Rock, the flagship where you'll hear the game on Wednesday, and we give you the Ask Andy segment. Don, three questions to Andy, all yours.
5: Hey, hey how wonderful is it that we have. So- Spring in central New York here. We have hockey still going. Life's pretty darn good, let me tell you. All right, Andy, a couple things. Uh, When you were in Toronto this weekend, um, I kind of alluded to this, I believe, last week, but was there talk around the city about the Marlies? I know, I know the, you know Toronto, uh, the Maple Leafs, I'm sure, were taking up a lot of that time. But from the media coverage, if you saw anything in either the, the newspapers, the, the TV there, whatnot, what were, and what were the crowds like in the building? Uh,
4: well, leading up to the game, frankly, I secluded myself. Uh, I was focused on what I needed to do. However, my other aspect of the job is, the liaison between the media and our team, the media was there. Uh, you know, There was a handful of media that was there for practices for both the Marlies and the Comets, and then following practice to talk with our players and following our games. There was somebody from Vancouver that was in attendance as well. So uh, the, the media is there. It's very pre- uh, prevalent. And on top of that, I think the crowds were okay. Saturday was very undershadowed compared to the Maple Leafs game, but – Sunday was a little bit better. I'd say maybe about three, four school in the arena.
5: Now, now you mentioned something I saw in a tweet that caught my attention. Um, I believe Saturday, uh, Don Cherry was at the game. Um, Where was he? What was he wearing? Uh, Was he out in front of the people? Uh, Inquiring minds want to (laughs) know.
4: No, this was actually on Hockey Night in Canada. He was wearing a a Marley suit.
3: Oh, okay.
4: yeah, and I, I, I tweeted him. I challenged him if the Comets win the series that I'd get him a Comet suit, but I have not heard
5: anything back yet. Oh, uh-huh, that's great. Um, um, when, when you guys uh, got to to uh, Toronto, wh- when did you get there? Was it Friday or, or or earlier?
4: Team arrived early. Well, actually, the team departed early Friday and got there on Friday and skated from 3 to Gosh, maybe three thirty or three forty-five or so. What
5: was what was the atmosphere like amongst the players, uh, as opposed to during the regular season? Was did you see them um, excited? That everybody everybody clearly was aware. You know, this is the playoffs. They act differently, or what, what? Give us a sense of what it was like just being around them in the playoffs, as opposed to the regular season. Uh, you know,
4: I. It's tough for me to answer that because I, I tried to keep my distance. Uh, I let the team be the team, and, uh, you know, the players kept themselves when I needed them for, for media and whatnot. I approached them or interviews. But other than that, I kind of steered clear of the room. And, uh, you know, it's the postseason, so I let them have their own time. It's it's their time to be as one. And, uh, you know, I, I think everybody was very serious on that matter, though. I, you know, everybody was taking everything from uh, practice to conversations with each other I think it was a very serious mentality and that hasn't changed yet
5: and also what was the bus ride like back um, now you know during the season if you're on a road trip and you lose a couple of games you know it uh, might be uh, you know a certain way or, or you know be quiet or this or that but what was the what is it like coming back yesterday on the bus
4: well I think the team knew that they there's more work to be done and it's it's not uh, the end by any means. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's tough because it's a five-hour bus, right? So, you know, you're obviously going to have guys go through, you know, movies and stuff like that and not sit there and pout. They can't pout. They know that. And, sure. and that's something that this team has handled very well during the course of the year.
5: Mm-hmm. And, you know, just um, in closing, how exciting is it going to be on Wednesday? That the, the, the You know, an old cliche, but you got to use it. The roof's going to get blown off. Um, it's 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 so good that um, there is a game on Wednesday and it is in Utica and uh, I think the, the the fans are certainly going to show their support. It's going to be a great night.
4: No, it will be. I can't wait. Uh, I know there's uh, there's not many tickets left. I know there is a few, so go to Empire State tickets for anybody listening. Shame on you if you haven't purchased your tickets yet. But show up in white and let's get this place whited out. I can't wait. This is. One of the biggest things that I heard of when I got this job with the Comets was wait till playoff. Well, here we are, fans. Prove me right.
1: Andy finally got his first playoff game. Now he wants his home playoff game in that atmosphere. And let's give him a few more. Yeah, let's give him a few more. Thank you to Don Leibel on the phone for joining us for the Ask Andy segment. We want to keep Andy on for just another minute or so. Andy, I wanted you to give you a chance, Scoop and I, and Tom Coyne here, Comets and Setter on ESPN Utica Rome, to address the referees, something that you had – some opinions about after the first two games in Toronto. So go ahead.
3: Let me, before yeah, you do I that, Andy, who, who worked the games?
4: Oh, I, I can't remember off the top of okay. my head uh, who they were. But, uh, the, game one was actually one referee that I've never seen. I've not seen him work an AHL game with the Comets or in my time in the AHL. But, Rain, I know you asked me about uh, the referees addressing the media. I get what you're saying. But I think that it might take a little bit light to them and make it about the referees more if that does become something that's instituted. I, I, I get it. Like, I would love to have the referees, you know, face the media and explain why they did and what they did. But I think it, I'm afraid it could become more about them.
1: As opposed to, yeah, we always say the best thing about officials is when you don't notice them. You know, whether right. it's baseball, whether it's football, when when they're just kind of... In well, the flow well, of the game, when you're calling 25
2: penalties in
1: two games, it's kind of hard not to notice them. That's the thing, <laughs> you know. A lot of times, Andy, I, I think the reason you know a guy like me will get passionate about that is because you do notice them because they do affect the outcome of the game, and that's the problem, and that's why we want answers. But I, I guess, in fairness, though, I can see your, I can see the flip side of that also.
5: And,
4: Andy. You know, and- suck like there's sometimes where I'm shrugging my shoulders and and like Tom said like he doesn't know I don't know and it makes me sound like an idiot sometimes when I don't know what's going on on the ice because they don't so it's tough for me to describe to the fans how things are being laid out on the ice at the same token they're human too you know they, they make mistakes it's unfortunate to say and Uh, One thing that I found frustrating was when the Comets were trying to clear the puck out of their zone one time yesterday, it hit off the linesman's shin and went back in the zone. And I'm like, oh, my, like the Comets just couldn't catch a break.
1: Yeah, the bounces weren't going their way. Address the whiteout really quick and cover any injuries or roster moves or any team business we need to know before Wednesday.
4: Whiteout T-shirts on sale at the Adirondack Bank Center. If you want to go in, get some tickets. You can tomorrow 9 to 5. You can do that also on Wednesday 9 to 5. And the T-shirts are right there in the box office. If you got one ready or you got a white shirt, bring it. You're going to need it because if you don't, you're going to be sticking out like a sore thumb. Go to Empire SpaceX for tickets.
2: Andy, do we know if any of the brass from the Vancouver Canucks organization will be here Wednesday night? Has that been discussed or revealed to you yet?
4: Uh, it has, and I'll tell you, yes, they will be here. Uh, there will be a lot of Vancouver personnel on hand. There was a lot that was there in Toronto this past weekend, so they have a really good eye on what's going on right now in Utica. And they have all season, so don't get me wrong.
1: Would you like to comment on the fact that arch-rival Syracuse Crunch are
4: 2-0? I think it's going to be really interesting when the Comets come back from this 2-0 deficit to face off against the Syracuse Crunch in round two.
1: Last question. Love that answer, Andy. I I love that that answer. Absolutely. Last question, of course, uh, goes to Tom Coyne for Andy Zilch.
3: Oh, for Andy. Uh, You know, I got to ask you one other thing. We saw what an amazing performance it was by uh, uh, Demko in the first game. And then, of course, you know, he was strong again in the second game. The shots that he faced weren't as numerous. But uh, has he been getting the support out front? The blue line been meeting the need.
4: I'm sorry, hang on. Say it again?
3: Uh, Has the blue line been meeting the need in front of Demko?
4: Uh, I I say so, yes. I I think it's deceiving because of Toronto's ability to control a hockey game. I I think that their offense knows how to do it, and guys like Timoshev are so elusive that it makes it difficult and it makes it look like the Comets are having problems, but I think they've been able to clear the puck to the boards it's just keeping the puck away from some of these guys that are so key on this team is the, the difficult thing
3: for them.
1: Yeah. So, uh, really quick, Matt Page doing his homework uh, while we were talking here. The refs in the games in, in the game in Toronto: Peter McDougall, number forty-five; Corey Savret, number forty-two. If you can remember the, or differentiate those two in your head, Andy. Linesmen were uh, Kevin Hastings and Tyson Baker.
4: Yeah, those were those were guys that I recognized. I think game one there was one that I didn't we've seen. We've seen McDougal. Yeah. And I don't think there was a, much of a problem of yesterday's game at all. I know there was the controversy in game one, but I think yesterday was officiated fine.
1: I just wonder if he's related to our, one of our favorites, Danny suitcase of rat, but I'll leave it at that. we probably have to <laughs> yeah. take a break, I'll get to our final segment. We thank Andy Ziltz, the voice of the comments. We'll see you Wednesday. Uh, While well, I've got you real quick, 94.9 K Rock, 5 o'clock. On Wednesday, we're going to go live right up to pregame and, and really help hype things up. Andy's going to join me. Uh, we're going to discuss Tom Coyne joining me. We're probably going to have Don Libel back on, even though I forgot to ask him when we had him on the phone. Uh, and we'll go from there. I believe Rob Ash is going to join us, too. We'll cement we we that all in social media over the next day or we so. We never got back to Slapshot, either. Oh, no, no. no. We're, since since Tom stayed, we're not going to okay. bury that. That's, right. that's going to be addressed in... Our closing segment tonight. This is, is Comments is the Insider. the
5: segment going
4: to be about Lucas Frankel not seeing flash Shot?
1: Say again, Andy.
4: <laughs> is the fourth segment going to be about Lucas Frankel not seeing Flash? Right. At
1: least in part. The rejoin is definitely going to be. We'll <laughs> leave it at that. <laughs> Comments Insider on ESPN Utica Rome. And yeah, we'll plug your TV show too, Andy. Thanks so much for your time. We'll talk soon.
2: It's Comments Insider on ESPN Radio Utica Rome. Here's Scoop and Rain. Comets Insider, brought to you by Slocum Dixon Medical Group and Bud Light. Dilly Dilly, I'm Scoop. Rain, Tom Coyne, public address announcer here as well. Matt Page, manning the controls. And Wednesday night, it's do or die. It's whiteout city. Something like that, right? We're going to wipe that joint out. We're going to raise the rafters. And Comets fans and people of Utica, I just want to say one thing to you. All right? We have to make the ABC, the odd, Wednesday night a living hell for the Toronto Marlies every second of that
1: game. Utica Chance need to start from the opening face-off and not end.
2: You've got to be louder than you've been all year long. You know, the the, the Comets players, they, they've got their job to do. You've got your job to do, fans. And that is to come out there wearing white, be as loud as you possibly can, support your team. If you get down, you get loud. Just like you've done a, a zillion times before. You know how to do this. This is your night.
1: So do it. There we go. Tom Coyne. Let's do that hockey. Real quick, uh, just a quick answer on this. Okay. Comets, or, or excuse me, the Comets helped support Clinton Arena. Yes. With Hockeyville, and there's going to be an NHL exhibition game, and they get 150000 We, growing up in this community, anybody in this community knows what a fantastic bar in the Clinton Arena is twenty two hundred strong. Every time they packed that, it was where Comets hockey was born in in Central New York. Your feelings?
3: Well, oh, it, well. First of all, I, I must confess there a bit of a prejudice to it. My uh, my son played um, uh, hockey for Clinton Youth Hockey there. I I ran referees in that building. I mean, li- literally scheduled them for USA Hockey for ten years. It, I, and when my kid played all over the place and one of the things he always said was, he, it was different playing in that building just because it was that building. Um, I took my second wife to our first date at the Clinton Arena. I did wow. the game, I did the game on radio too. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> what a romantic I am. Yeah. <laughs> anyways, hey, um, on
2: my on my honeymoon, I took my wife to see the Blackhawks and the Calgary Flames at the old Chicago Stadium. So we're in the same boat there. Well, it's yeah, all
3: right. I, I, I you know anyway. And I'm but, no longer married. I'll, I'll point that it, out as well. It's a it's a fantastic building, and I'm just and neither am I. Uh, so, anyways, <laughs> yeah, uh, so anyway, yeah. So anyway, it's just so fantastic. Um, it, it's just a, such a wonderful building. When I bring in prospective employees, I take them for a little tour around the area, which is by the way, a segue to where you're going next. Yeah. And, and I take them around the area and one of the places that I have to take them to is Clinton. I have to just show them the, the, the Clinton square. I show them Hamilton college campus and you have to show them, uh, the arena, you know, just a building that in front just says arena, what else do you need? It's a great, you know, Hamilton College is a safe drink, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. What a
1: great venue to watch a hockey game there also. I love that place. But Clinton Arena, so you took him there. You, you, Lucas Faval, or, or excuse me, uh, Lucas Frankel right. we we're talking about. Sorry, I'm referencing the Crunch's uh, Favali. I'm re- referencing <laughs> too many Lucases. <laughs> Lucas Frankel, who is the co-host with Andy Zilch on WPNY 830 on Thursdays of Comet's Face Off. So you took him there. You showed him the Clinton Arena when he was a prospective hire. Okay, so you're nodding yes. Right. Rolling by. Okay. And then you bring him back and eventually. Roll him by the yard. The Utica Memorial Auditorium, now known as the Adirondack Bank Center. One of the locations that the movie Slapshot was filmed. Right. Did anybody explain the history to him? How has he never I, seen Slapshot? I,
3: I touched upon the history. Uh, I touch upon it with with all of my prospective employees. Um, and uh, because it's it's part of who we are, It's part of where we're at. Are you dumbfounded that he's never seen it? it this is my fault. I should have had it on a on a prerequisite test. <laughs> 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 and I didn't. Who is I Reggie Dunlop? I did not administer that test. One of the greatest sports movies ever made. It is. It's it's legendary. And he's, he stood in my office after that show got done recording. And, and he stood in my office, and I showed him on YouTube the scene where they come out for the pregame warm-ups, and he said, oh, yeah, the odd. And then he walked out.
1: Come <laughs> on. Well,
3: he's got things to do.
1: Apparently. Okay. Obviously. Well, you enjoy yourselves, uh, or I should say everybody get ready, get pumped up, get your white T-shirts, get ready to root on the Comets on Wednesday against Toronto for Game 3. We need that win. Scoop. Go Comets.